As we prepare our hearts to receive God's word and respond to God's word in faith, let us uh, just pray. Lord, we ask as we turn to your word, Lord, that we would see it as, as you say it. Lord, to know that every word is correct and accurate. It is true. It is relevant. It is life-giving. It is convicting. It is corrective. Lord, and by the word of your truth, not man's truth, by the word of your truth, all men, all people will be judged. So, Lord, we ask that as we read your word this morning, Lord, let us read it in a way that allows the Holy Spirit of God to reveal truths, and the same Spirit will allow us to live in those truths. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 6 through 9 this morning. If you're joining with us on campus and you do not have a copy of God's Word, I would encourage you to look underneath the seat that you're sitting in or underneath the seat in front of you. There should be a blue Bible there. I would encourage you to take that Bible, open up to page 1075. 1075, that's where we'll be this morning. And we are going to continue our study through the book of Galatians and a series called The Gospel of Grace. And for the past several weeks, we have really been camping out in one specific area, and we'll stay there for a little bit longer because it's so, so important in the life of a believer. Uh, Really, we've been camping out looking at the most important question that any of us will be asked and the question that all of us must answer, and that is, how can we be right with God? How can we be acceptable before God? Now, we may not think about that. Uh, We may not even acknowledge that. However, God has created us in such a way that that is exactly what we long for. We long to be right with God. Now, we may go at it at different ways, right? There's a void in us that desires something that is greater than us. And so some of us, we will go at it trying to fill that void by uh, trying to live out or carry out all the rules of life, the rules of God, the rules of man. Some will try to fill that void, something that is greater than themselves, not by trying to live out all the rules, but they instead try to live by breaking all the rules, right? And so all of us are entering into this world trying to fulfill a void that God puts in our life ultimately to point him, point us to himself, and yet there's a longing there on how can I be acceptable before God? Every single person desires to stand before God accepted. We know that because that's exactly how our, we live our lives with the people around us. Every child wants to be accepted by their parent. Every adult wants to be accepted by their peers. They want to have a sense of value. Every single one of us, and what Paul has been showing us time and time again, that our validation before God, our approval before God, has nothing to do with your gender, your race, your social economic status, none of that. The only thing that matters is if you are standing in the finished work of Christ, and that is it. And that's where we've been. And Paul is addressing false teaching that has been going through the churches in Galatia, that province there in the Roman Empire. And he has been addressing the false teaching that has been coming through uh, the Judaizers, this false teaching that, yes, you need Jesus, but you need something more than that. Specifically, uh, the law of Moses, that of circumcision. 
And so Paul has been communicating time and time again that justification, being right with God, only comes through faith. We see this in Galatians 2, verse 15. The scripture says, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, underline that, no one, no one will be justified. And what Paul did is he began to share his own personal testimony. Listen, I had a former life before Christ, but by the grace of God, Jesus Christ himself encountered me on the road to Damascus where I was going to persecute the church, and my life was radically changed. And what we saw two weeks ago when Pastor Jason taught in Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, it's not just his personal testimony, but he goes to the churches in Galatians and said, that is your testimony as well. That you, you saw him just like I saw him. Maybe not in a physical sense, but the truth of the gospel was real to you. Not because of works, but because of faith. And you grew, you continued to grow in your walk with the Lord. Not again, not because of works, but because of faith and the Spirit's work in you. So we are justified by grace through faith in Christ alone. And that is it. Not circumcision. Not obeying the law of Moses but by faith in Jesus Christ. And what Paul does now is he, he, he looks back, not, not just to the cross, but he, he goes before that. He goes to the Old Testament and he begins to show us evidence of faith and how that and that alone justifies us before God. He goes all the way back to the Old Testament. We're going to spend a lot of time over these next couple weeks in the Old Testament, but I am in full agreement with scripture that we cannot rightly interpret the new testament without having background in the old testament it's what makes it come together right there's one story from genesis to revelation and it is god's great story of redemption and so this is very very important so we look at verses six through nine i'm going to read through it and then we'll begin to unpack it Uh, the scripture says beginning in verse six just as Abraham, Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness, know, that, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So we reach back in verses 6 through 9. Paul addresses a person by the name of Abraham, the Old Testament saint of Abraham. And that's where we're going to be this morning. How was it, in other words, when you look back to the Old Testament, how is it that those individuals are right with God, right? Before the cross, right? And what we'll find, and I'll say this again later on today, that the Old Testament saints were looking forward to the cross, right? The coming Messiah. We... We look back to the cross at the Messiah who has come and the finished work of Christ. And so this is important. And how is it that Abraham was made right before God? Faith. He says that in verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So why does Paul start with Abraham? Why is that important? Well, Abraham is known as the father of our faith, right? I didn't grow up in church, but I've heard this song before. In fact, 
in our kids' ministry, they'll sing the, the song, uh, Father Abraham, right? I'm not going to sing it for you, but I'll tell you the words. Uh, and I won't do the motions either. But uh, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. So are you. Let us praise the Lord. And all of a sudden, we just start throwing body parts in the circle, right? Right arm, left arm, and this and that. Now, why do we sing that song? We sing that song because it develops in us a good understanding of truth that just like Abraham is a child of God through faith, you and I can be children of God because of faith. And so that's important, faith in Christ. And we start with Abraham because he's declared, and that's important, he's declared right with God. It's a one-time act that has ongoing implications, right? It's what God says of man, not what we say of God. Right? We're declared righteous just like Abraham. And Abraham, we start with Abraham because he was declared righteous almost 450 years before the law even came to Moses. So that's very, very, very important. In fact, Galatians 3.6 is quoted in Genesis 15, verse 6. And that's where we're going to begin our time this morning. We're going to look through Genesis 15 for a little bit. And what happens in Genesis 15 is uh, we know that... Uh, that Abraham already trusted in the Lord in Genesis 12, and we'll look at those verses a little bit later this morning. Uh, but in Genesis 12, Abraham is 75 years old, and in Genesis 12, God spoke to Abraham. Abraham uh, received the Lord uh, by faith, and it is there that God promised many blessings over Abraham. And, and in fact, many of those blessings hinged on what? Hinged on Abraham having a son. But not just a son, a son with Sarah. And what we find in Genesis 15 is 10 years go by. He's at 85 years old now. And guess what he does not have? He does not have a son with Sarah. And the scripture says in Genesis 15, verses 1 through 3, the scripture says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So Abram uh, is the same person as Abraham. We'll talk about that name change in Genesis 17 in just a little bit, but same person. So he came to Abram in a vision. And he says, fear not, Abram, I am what? I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be the heir. So not his own offspring, but a servant, right? And what happens in Genesis 15, verses 4 and 5, the scripture says, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. So God is doing what God did in Genesis 12. He's promising what? He's promising the impossible. And that's exactly what God promises us in salvation, right? He promises us the impossible. It's not done by you. It is done by me. And how does Abraham respond? He responds the same way that he responded in Genesis 12. He responds by faith. We see this in Genesis 15, 6. And this is the verse that Paul quotes in Galatians 3, 6. He says, And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Declared righteous. Put it in your account. And what happens in Genesis 15, verses 9 through 21, is you have this covenant that God makes with Abraham. 
And what's important about this covenant is God does all the work, right? This is not a contract where that you sign and I sign and, and I do my part of the deal and you do part of your, the deal and if we, we both do our part, then we're good. This is not the covenant that God makes with Abraham. God says, I'm doing it all. I'm doing everything. And that's what we see in Genesis 15, verses 9 through 21. This covenant that he makes with Abraham. Now, 14 years pass by from that event, right? And guess what? Abraham still doesn't have what? He still doesn't have a son. Now we get to Genesis 17. The scripture says, or he didn't have a son with Sarah. In Genesis 17, verses 1 and 2, the scripture says, when Abram was 99 years old, just let that sink in for just a moment. 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram. Sarah is 90, by the way. She's not hanging out at, you know, all those places that you buy all the stuff for young kids, right? She's not doing that. And the scripture says, and the Lord said to him, I am what? I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Now again, notice Who's making the covenant? God is making the covenant. He's making the promise. God is the only one who's ultimately fully committed to Abraham, right? That is important because we know in the lives of the people in the past, we know in our very lives today that we aren't always what? Fully committed to the Lord. But God is fully committed to his people. And the sign of God's covenant with Abraham the sign of God's full commitment to his people is that of circumcision. And that's where we see this in Genesis 17, verses 10 through 11. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So Paul says, all right, Judaizers. You want to start with the law of Moses? That's fine. I'm going back to Abraham. I'm going back before circumcision even came into play, and I'm going to show you that Abraham was declared righteous before God, not because of circumcision, but because of faith. Circumcision is a sign, again, of not what man will do for God, but what God will do in and for and through his very people. That's the importance of the circumcision. It's the gospel of grace all throughout Scripture. So when we stand before God or when somebody asks that most important question, what do I have to do in order to be accepted by God, stand right before God, not just at one time, but every single day, there's only one correct answer. It doesn't matter Old Testament, New Testament, today, 2,000 years from now, if the Lord tarries, what's the only right answer? The only right answer is this. Faith in Jesus is the only way to be justified. The only way. That's the only way to be justified before the Lord. Faith. I don't see it up on the screen. If you pop it up on the screen, because this is important, because I want every single person to just focus on those words for just a moment. Every word, every phrase. Faith in Jesus is the only way to be justified. The only way. It's important, even as Christians, that we let that truth, truth that comes from the gospel of God's amazing grace, sink into our hearts and minds every day. 
that every day when I wake up, I am what? I am declared righteous. Not because I had a good night's sleep. Not because I had my A game the day before. I'm preparing to have my A game today. Not because my wife and I are in good fellowship with one another. Not because my kids are obeying every word that we say, which doesn't happen. (laughs) That is not what makes me right before God. Every day I have the freedom and the peace of knowing that I'm right before God, declared righteous forever because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Still look at the screen. That's what Paul goes. He goes to Galatians 3, 7. Read the screen here. It says, Know then, what strong language, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. You see, the saints of old, they look forward to the Messiah. Jesus Christ coming. Again, we look back to the cross when the Messiah came. Jesus accomplished everything we needed at the cross. And it's only through the blood of Jesus that we are made right before God. That's the only right answer. You were not made right with God because you grew up in a Christian home, because you go to church, because you pray, because you tithe, because you serve. I'm not saying that those things aren't good things. I'm not saying that. But all of those things are trying to fill a void that only God can fill. And what is that? That we are declared righteous before God because of the finished work of Christ. How does Paul describe everything that we just looked at? The book of Romans is a great place to go when you really want to unpack more of what the book of Galatians is all about. In Romans chapter 4, the scripture says this, How then was it counted to him? And he's talking about Abraham. Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the, the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith. That's an important phrase that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. In other words, the same way that Abraham was made right before God by faith is the same way that you and I are made right before God. Faith in Christ. He goes on to say in Romans 4, verse 20 through 22, he says, No unbelief made him, talking about Abraham again, waver concerning the promise of God. But he what? He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Now, it's important that the scripture here is not saying that Abraham never doubted. It's not saying that he always had perfect faith. It's not, always, it's not saying that he always obeyed. In fact, you look in Genesis Uh, 12 through uh, 22, and even further than that, there are times when Abraham's life was a train wreck, right? But what is he saying? The scripture is saying that when he did live in such a way that he was continually putting his faith in the Lord, he grew what? He grew stronger and stronger and stronger. Remember what God promised him in Genesis 15. I will be your shield. I will be your reward. The same is true for us today. When we live by faith in the finished work of Christ, we will know with great confidence that he is our shield and he is our great reward. Paul goes on to say in Romans 4, but the words, it was counted to him, 
were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So it's not just for the benefit of Abraham, but when we look back to the Old Testament and we see how Abraham was made right with God through faith in the Lord, we too benefit from that as well. In other words, there's one coming who is far greater than Abraham. There's one coming who's far greater than Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and David. His name is Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's the gospel of grace that makes us right with God and it's the gospel of grace that produces Christ-likeness in us. Right? That is the circumcision that we need. In fact, Paul says in Romans 2, he says this. He says, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the what? Of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. In other words... God, more than our outward actions, our religious activity, all those things, what does God desire? He desires our heart. And so the picture of circumcision in the Old Testament is a picture of not just a circumcision of the flesh, but ultimately a circumcision of the heart. In fact, when you look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 16, and Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 4, that's exactly what it talks about. It talks about the circumcision of the heart. And when we get to the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 36, that's what we see from God. That God makes a promise to his people. That I'm going to do something that you cannot do. I'm going to put my spirit in you. And I'm going to turn your heart of stone into a heart of flesh. In other words, it can be molded by me. And you're going to love what I love and desire what I desire. And God says, I'm not doing this for your sake, O Israel. I'm doing this for the sake of my holy name. So everything is resting on the work of God through his spirit. So again, how is it? that you and I are made right with God. Not just one time, but all throughout. It's a one-time decision, yes, but it has ongoing, lifelong implications. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. Are you convinced of that today? Because here's what I know as a follower of Christ. Your kids will demand more than you can give. Your work will demand more than you can give. Even that sweet little Bible study that you sign up for will demand more than you can give. And you're going to lose it. You're not going to do it. There's going to be so many things that you don't perform well in and you are going to have that nagging, pricking of, am I doing enough? God's word is reminding us time and time again, your justification, your rightness before God, is not based on all of those things. It is based on one thing and one thing alone. Jesus Christ, your Savior. So go back to it every day. Second thing that we're going to talk about this morning that we see in verses 8 and 9 is those who are justified are eternally blessed. Eternally blessed. I love how Paul unpacks uh, the blessings that we have in Christ uh, through the life of Abraham. He begins in verse 8 9. He says this. He says, And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, And you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. 
When Paul says that phrase, in you shall all the nations be blessed, he's actually quoting from Genesis chapter 12. He also says it again in Genesis 18, 18. But the first time he says it, it's in Genesis chapter 12, uh, verse 3. And to set the context of Genesis 12, again, uh, Abraham is 75 years old at this time. And, uh, and it's there that the Lord invites him to follow him. It's the great call of salvation. And Abraham believes in faith and follows the Lord. We see this in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. The scripture says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then what does he say in verse 4? So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. That's one of his relatives. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. That would have been his his hometown. Don't miss this. Abram did nothing to deserve this, right? God, God interrupted his life. He gave the invitation. Just like Jesus does. Come. Come follow me. And what does Abram do? Abraham responds in faith. Now, let's think about some of these blessings for just a moment. Again, be reminded that that some of these blessings hinged on what? Hinged on Abraham having a son. So remember, 25 years go by from that point. And again, Abraham and Sarah have no son. We get to Genesis 17. We looked at a little bit of those verses earlier, but look at these verses again. Genesis 17, verses 4 through 5, the scripture says, Behold, my covenant is with you, so God is speaking to Abraham, and you shall be the father of multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called, what, Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. In other words, the blessings that God is speaking over Abraham are ours as well because of the finished work of Christ. He says in verse 7, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generation for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. So yes, Israel is extremely important in biblical history. Again, those who are against Israel are against God, right? But at the same time, the blessings, the promises that God speaks over the people of God of Jewish descent are very, very, very much so ours as well. And so we receive the same blessings that Abraham has received. And what are some of those blessings? Well, in Christ, we have the eternal blessing of having a new identity in Christ. Did you see his name changed? Because of Christ, we have a great name. In Christ, we aren't who we used to be. Yes, there is a former life. Every one of us in Christ has a former life. Yes, we were once spiritually dead, but because of Christ... We have been made alive. It impacts us today, not just one day in the future, right? It impacts us today. We have abundant life today, right now, as a follower of Christ. Not only that, we have the eternal blessing that is given to all people. It's available to all people in Christ, right? It's not not just for a section of society, right? These blessings are available to all in Christ, and that's important. It has to be in Christ. In Genesis 12, It shows us that God has a heart for all people. How do we know? At this time, there were no Jewish people, right? Abraham wasn't a Jew. He was a Gentile, right? In fact, you look at Joshua chapter uh, 24, verse uh, 2. It talks about how his family were idol worshipers. They worshiped false gods. 
But yet the scripture says that God goes to him and invites him with that great invitation, come follow me. And we see this, the same missional heart of God for all people in the life of Jesus, right? Remember Jesus going to Zacchaeus, right, in Luke 19? I mean, you think about how people define people in that day. You're either religious, a sinner, or a tax collector, or a prostitute, right? Those are the categories of people. And Zacchaeus was what? He was a tax collector. He was hated. He was worse than a sinner in the eyes of the religious people. And yet, Jesus goes to him, right? And Jesus does a work of grace in his life. And the scripture says in Luke 19, verse 9 and 10, And Jesus said to him, talking about Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is what? Son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You see, God desires all nations to be blessed. It's a reminder to us that God is in the business of rec- 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 rescuing sinners from themselves. And it's a work of his grace, not our work. We see this in Ephesians 2. The scripture says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Do you remember where you were when God found you? I'm convinced that if we start getting over the work of God's grace in our salvation, we will fail to live the life that God has called us to live. Go back. Let it be new to you every single day. Not because you're getting saved every single day, but God is keeping you saved every single day, right? Praise be to God for that. Not only that, we have the eternal blessings that are secured forever. Ephesians 1 Verse 13 and 14, the scripture says, In him that is in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So it's not the circumcision of the flesh, it's the what? The circumcision of the heart that comes through what? And who? The Holy Spirit of God himself. We are secured. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. That eternal blessing is amazing. Not only that, the eternal blessing that reminds me that he is with me wherever I go. Right? Every step of the way. When God called Abraham, God called him to leave his old life and embrace the new life. Right? The same is true of us. When Jesus called out to us, come follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. We are called to live the old life and to receive the new life every single day. And daily, daily we live that by faith. That's why in Hebrews chapter 11, the scripture tells us that living by faith is so critical. Verse 1 and 2, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, right? We are looking ahead based on the promises of God. The conviction of things not seen. We are seeing things from the perspective of God. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. In other words, their approval before God was by faith and faith alone. That's why in Hebrews eleven six, the scripture says, And without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The greatest reward is the fact that we know Jesus Christ as our Savior. Therefore, live by faith, not by sight. And we see this in Abraham's life. Scripture says in Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 10, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called, that's the invitation, to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10 is so important. For he was what? He was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. 
when Abraham called him, or when God called Abraham, he didn't give him a bunch of reasons and a bunch of explanations. He gave him what? He gave him eternal promises. I will show you. I will make you. I will bless you. And I will bless those who bless you. And what did Abraham do? He put his faith in the Lord. Again, not perfect faith, but he put his faith in the perfect one. And God was with him each step of the way. Abraham was looking past his, this life to the next. He was longing for a new land that went past the promised land in the Old Testament. You and I live that same way today. We are looking forward to what? The new heavens and the new earth when Jesus comes again. We are not citizens of this earthly kingdom. We are citizens of a far greater kingdom, the kingdom of God, where we are promised there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, and the only scars will be the scars of Jesus Christ. These eternal blessings prove that my greatest joy is found in him. When Jesus speaks of Abraham's faith in the coming Messiah, he says this in John 8. He says, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day, and he saw it, and guess what? He was glad. Aren't you glad today that you are a follower of Christ, that our greatest joy is found in him? And we must be reminded that God's plan of redemption has always been plan A. From the very beginning, plan A, when God looked down the corridor of time, he sees our sin, our separation from him, and with eyes of love, he foresees our need for a Savior, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He sends Jesus into our world. He does everything necessary to make us right before him. In fact, in John 1, when Jesus entered the world as a baby, the scripture says, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of will of the flesh, nor of will of man, but of God. Is that your testimony today? That you are a child of God because of faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way you're going to be a child of God, by the way. But I pray that you would respond in faith. To know that the same way of salvation today was the same way of salvation in the days of past, it's the same way of salvation and the future ahead. It's only through the grace of the gospel and Christ alone. That is it. Are you convinced of that today? Is that where your hope lies as a follower of Christ? When you meet people who are a different faith or who uh, say they don't believe in God, is that the anchor of your hope that I need to continue to live out and share the gospel, not in a way that beats them down, but in a way that brings truth and grace and compassion? And as a follower of Christ, are you living in the very blessings that God has secured for us in Christ through his spirit? We are a blessed people, not because of the land that we live in, but because of the Savior that is in us. I pray that you would respond to the Lord. So as we stand and sing.